the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, I'm Bud Elliott here with 24-7 Sports and the Cover 3 College Football Podcast, and this is Summer School, and today we have a biggie. We are talking Ohio State with Dave Biddle of Bucknuts. Dave, welcome in, man. Thanks, Bud. Very happy to be here. Looking forward to this. Uh, you do a great job, and uh, pleasure to be on with you talking some Buckeye football. I'm, I'm excited to do it here. Ohio State, a team that uh, many out there think is probably the favorite for the national title, coming off a, a strong year. Last year, and eleven and two, all the power ratings. Hell, some power ratings said they were the number two team in the country. A lot of them had had them third. A really strong season, and yet probably a little bit frustrating at times for Buckeyes fans. It just felt like they would rack up all these yards and they would do a lot of good things, and then I don't know. Maybe it's sometimes at critical moments things just didn't fully click, or they just didn't make the play they had to have in a certain moment or two. But the mood in club has got to be pretty good, right? It definitely is. Optimism is high. Um, you know, I think if you pulled the average Buckeye fan, they would say a lot of people are saying national championship or bust. I'm never a national championship or bust guy. Um, I tend to think, you know, like you mentioned, it's, you know, I would put Alabama one, Ohio State two, but I, I know you're splitting hairs there. I really like both of the rosters. Um, I just I, I'm putting Alabama in as the favorite uh, slightly over Ohio State. Um, Ohio State has some minor holes. We can get into that. But overall, this roster is very impressive. They were very young last year, bud. They were one of the youngest teams in all of college football last year. Um, now, though, and but and they played a lot of true freshmen. They were very highly rated and played well as true freshmen. Now those guys are a year older. We see it a lot of times where you know a team with uh, that's built on sophomores. A lot of times that's when they break out. Ohio State's 2014 national championship team is a great example of that. That team was built on sophomores like Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, and many others. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, Defense was a huge issue last year, so that's the that's the thing. They were 59th in the country last year in total defense, and it's a little misleading. They're actually worse than what that indicates because their schedule wasn't that tough. They weren't playing like a lot of elite offenses, bud. So they were bad on defense last year. Ryan Day cleaned house, um, kept Larry Johnson as the D-line coach, cleaned house with the rest of the defensive coaches. And I think – now we'll see. It's easy for me to say this on your podcast – I the proof will be in the pudding, but I think they hit a grand slam home home run higher with uh, Jim Knowles bringing him in as defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. I've been very impressed with him with what he did at Oklahoma State, turning them into a top five defense nationally. It's you know a team that's known for all offense, no defense. Took him a while to get there. He was in his fourth year when they broke out last year, um, and just the times we've got a chance to meet with him and sit down with him, he's just one of those guys you walk away and you're like, man, I just got smarter right there. This guy's a PhD in defensive coordinating. So we'll see. 
The defense needs to improve. How much will it will it improve? Because I think the offense is going to be elite. Can the defense be top 40? Can it be, just be a good defense? If it can be, Ohio State will be dangerous. For sure. And Dave, we'll, we'll start there with that defense. I mean, l- last year I was talking to some coaching buddies and very rarely is the answer, hey, they need more scheme, right? They need to run more stuff. They're they're too simple. Like that's something fans say a lot of times, but it, that was actually a refrain uh, among coaches and you know in, in the group chat and the DMs when you're asking around, hey, what do you see? What what do you see? And it's like they they play a lot of one coverage and they don't play it as well as you have to play it in order to be that simple. Like Michigan State was very simple for a long time. They were just really damn good uh, right. at at playing that one thing. I assume Jim Knowles will come in and try to play a greater variety of coverages, probably a little more aggressive coverages if, if we can start with that and then the secondary how equipped is this Buckeye secondary to do uh, what Knowles will want them to do and how quickly can they get to that spot yeah it's a mild concern they do have some talent back there and they're um they had an unfortunate injury last year that maybe was a blessing in disguise if you look at just this season Josh Proctor coming back as a fifth year senior they really like him as that strong safety they call it the bandit and he would have I, he was he was a senior last year. I was convinced that was going to be his last year, and he was going to go to the draft if he didn't have a season-ending injury. So um, they've got some good talent in their defensive backfield. And you're right; it's you know this Jim Knowles defense. He the base is a four-two-five. Uh, he will mix it up against you know teams that like to run the ball more. You know your Wisconsin's, Michigan's teams like that. Iowa, Ohio State plays all those teams this year. Notre Dame can run the ball, though they were more of a passing team last year. Um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, as you mentioned, Bud Knowles is known for. Um, mixing things up a lot, confusing the opposition. And that was the opposite of what Ohio State did last year. You look at the Oregon game, Ohio State kept doing the same thing, just like you're saying, Oregon. They kept crashing the defensive ends, and Oregon was like, okay, we'll just keep running the same play and let you do that. Um, Same thing against Michigan, Ohio State. It's one thing, like you said, with Michigan State, if you're a good tackling team, if you swarm to the ball, you're not missing tackles. Um, you know, you play with all that toughness and good leverage. You can get away with maybe being vanilla. Ohio State was missing tackles and doing all the things that bad defenses do, and they were predictable. So Knowles, and he's talked about this, and this is what he did at Oklahoma State. He throws a lot at these guys, um, and he expects them to be able to do a lot, and they'll mix things up. They'll make in-game adjustments. He prides himself on that on confusing the opposing offensive coordinator, making the opposing quarterback, um, you know, uncomfortable. And that's what I like to hear from a defensive coordinator. I don't care who your team is. That's what you like to hear. Again, though, the proof will be in the pudding. And as you mentioned, um, this secondary, I think they're talented enough to prove it. I mean, you got Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman back there. They brought in Tanner McAllister, a transfer from Oklahoma State, bringing him in with Jim Knowles. Those will be the three starting safeties. You look at corner, they have both starting corners back, the Buckeyes do. And Denzel Burke, who was really good as a true freshman last year. Cam Brown is a fifth-year senior. The other guy to watch there is Jordan Hancock. Uh, played a little bit as a true freshman last year. Now as a sophomore, he could break out as that number three corner. But I think all those top three corners are going to play. And another guy I'll mention is Kai Stokes, a true freshman. Underrated kid, even though he was four-star. Didn't like going to camps and combines. Just, man, he broke out in the spring, even though he still, still should have been a high school senior. They really like him. He won't be a starter, I don't think, bud, but he'll play. So they've got some good talent. Uh, and some decent depth there in the secondary. I, Dave, one thing when I look at their numbers, uh, I felt like a team with the athleticism of Ohio State, they, they were actually not that bad at preventing explosive pass plays relative to just the consistency with which they allowed first downs or or good chunk gains on first down through the air. I mean, they were routinely having to defend you know, second and three because somebody was, was hitting an easy six or seven yard pass on them all the time it is that 
how do you think Knowles will balance sort of the explosive play prevention, but also the, you know, first down stop rate type stuff? Yeah, he, you know, he's going to give up some big plays because he's going to be aggressive. I mean, that's one thing about his defense. They, they will at times give up some big plays where, as you mentioned, I think Ohio State was just, you know, too um, worried about that last year. And I should have mentioned, mentioned this earlier, as, as much as I love Kerry Combs as a man and he's a great recruiter, good DB coach. He's at Cincinnati now for, uh, under Luke Fickles, a DB coach there, was the DB coach at Ohio State for years. Man, it's the Peter principle in full effect. I mean, he was so far over his head as defensive coordinator. It is amazing to the point where they had to bring in another guy who wasn't ready, you know, after the second game and Matt Barnes make him the defensive coordinator. He actually did okay, I guess. Um, so, yeah, Knowles, the way he's going to, you know, do things is he's going to – he's known for being aggressive and mixing things up, show you one thing, do another. But they'll, they'll give up big plays. We saw that even, you know – the one main scrimmage that was open to the media, which was really cool. It was even better than the spring game, in my opinion. And the spring game itself, you're going to see this defense give up some big plays. But overall, they're going to create more turnovers. They're going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to get a lot of tackles for loss. I mean, Oklahoma State was right near the top of the country in like sacks, pressures, tackles for loss. And that was with mostly three-star kids that he coached up. Now, they, had, they were pretty veteran, too. They did have like some super seniors and stuff, and that definitely helped. Um he's never coached guys this talented before. I mean, he was a head coach at Cornell, was the D coordinator at Duke for eight years, was the D coordinator at Oklahoma State for four years, and, and now he's got all these four- and five-star kids. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Again, my, my big question is how much can they improve? They'll improve. That's a low bar. That's about as low as bar as you can get. Um, how much can they improve? Because this offense will be elite, like I said earlier. I have no doubt about that. Uh, and if they can mix that with a good defense, this team will be dangerous. If they can be better than good, then Ohio State can be in the discussion to maybe knock off an Alabama if they get that opportunity. And I, I mean, Davis is my opinion. It's not necessarily a fact, but I feel like if you have this level of offense, I, I'm okay giving up a couple bombs and also taking a couple turnovers because that means you're going to play a 14 or 15 possession game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ohio State's going to score probably like four points of possession. So I mean, then you're you're talking about 50 burgers pretty often like that's I think that you'd rather have that than have somebody go on these long sustained drives against you keeping that offense off the field and keeping them out of rhythm um I I have two more on on defense for you it linebacker last year I didn't feel like it was like not terrible but not a strength do they have a dude here who is going to emerge and, and be like the next great Ohio State linebacker or just like somebody who's going to be more of a more of a regional name as opposed to just somebody the Ohio State fans know they won't have a star this year. Um, they might in future seasons. They have a true freshman who will get on the field this year, um, C.J. Hicks, um, who, you know, obviously we have at, at a, you know, one of the top linebackers in the country, five-star, one of the he top. He can cover, man. Yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he, and, you know, he's he's pretty physical too. I mean, he'll, yeah. and he'll get bigger. I mean, he's not nowhere near. They'll st they still want to add about – he's about 220 right now. I think they want to give him about, you know, 230, as long as he doesn't lose that speed that you talk about and that, that coverage ability. But the guys that they're going to lean on this year, uh, the number one guy is Tommy Eichenberg, who, frankly, Bud, was very disappointing last year as a, as a first-year starter. Um, he was just a third-year sophomore last year, so thrust into the fire for the first time, really getting a lot of playing time for the first time. Wasn't very good, and I don't know what happened. In the Rose Bowl, he just turned into, like, Andy Katzenmoy or throwing <laughs> a, a good Buckeye a linebacker, Chris Spielman, going way back. Um, he, he had a 17-tackle performance. Now, there were a lot of tackles to be made in that game. That's one thing about that Rose Bowl. It's like, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba just scored another touchdown. I think Utah just scored another touchdown, too. But Tommy Eichenberg was the defensive player of the game 
in the Rose Bowl. He carried that into uh, the spring. They love him. Knowles talks him up a lot. Knowles inherited him. He didn't. He loves Tommy Eichenberg, and he's more of that throwback middle linebacker. You know, 6'2", 240, tough guy. Doesn't like talking to the media really. Just gritty. His brother plays in the NFL as an offensive lineman, of course. Liam Eichenberg at Notre Dame, second round pick by the Dolphins. Started, I believe, as a rookie last year for the Dolphins. Um, so Tommy Eichenberg is going to be the main man in the middle. Um, as I, you know, as you know, the base defense only has two starting linebackers. The other one will probably be Steel Chambers. In fact, I'm pretty confident it'll be, be Steel Chambers, who played pretty well last year, even though he was converted from running back right before the season um, and was banged up a little bit off and on. They like both of those guys, um, but those guys aren't going to be stars. Linebacker is still a question mark on this team. Um, Reed Carrico is another guy to keep an eye on there, a redshirt freshman that was very highly rated coming out of high school, was a high four-star, so... Jim Knowles, in addition to being the defensive coordinator, coaches the linebackers as well, bud. So I think that helps a little bit. But, yeah, that's a that's a mild concern. We talk about mild concerns for this team. You know, you're talking about um, how are the linebackers going to play. I think they're going to be okay, but can they be good? We'll see. You know, a little bit of depth concerns at corner, although they like their top six corners. They only have six cor scholarship corners on the roster. I've never seen that at Ohio State. Six scholarship corners on the roster, and that's it. So, Depth is a little bit of a concern there. Unless, you know, they stay healthy, they'll be fine because they like the six they have. And then the other concern, Ryan Day mentioned this on the team, depth on the offensive line. They like their five starters. They don't like their depth. And when the coach is coming, Ryan Day is not one to throw his players under the bus, even if he doesn't name them by name. He's not like Urban would throw guys under the bus all the time. He'd be like, our wide receivers are a clown show, he said <laughs> when he took over in 2012. Like, these guys should not even be here. He's talking about guys that end up getting drafted like in the second round, like Devin Smith a few years later. But it was hilarious. So for Ryan Day to come out and say, depth on the offensive line is a huge concern for me. You're like, oh, wow, if he's saying that. And it is. I mean, it showed up in the spring game. Ohio State's 13 deep line, which Ohio State's D line is going to be really good, was just destroying Ohio State's second team offensive line. So depth on the offensive line is a concern unless they stay healthy because I do like the five starters. Um, all right, last one for you on defense. I want, I want to kind of pick at that offensive line a little bit. Is there a dude on the defensive line? So they, they lose Tyreek Smith, they lose Haskell Garrett, they lose Antoine Jackson. Everybody else of consequence is pretty much back. Is there a guy who you would project to be that, like maybe not next Bosa level dude, but like the next guy, hey, he's going to get the first round buzz. He's a legitimate difference maker. You have to double him. Is there somebody in spring who showed that they're ready to take that next step? I think JT Tumilowal is, and, and maybe Tyleek Williams. Those are the two guys. Okay. And even throwing Jack Sawyer. All those guys are sophomores, played as true freshmen last year. Of course, Tumilowal, um, you know, we had him as either the number one or number two player in the nation. Jack Sawyer was also a five-star in that class. Tyleek Williams was a four-star, but, um, man, was he impressive last year. Um, and he has that rare – he's like 320 pounds, came in about 330. Ohio State has a lot of like 300-pound – defensive tackles that's kind of what larry johnson prefers so this is a kind of a different cat um they haven't had a guy like that since uh, they had jonathan hankins about 10 years ago um a real you know a plugger but also a guy that's quick enough to you know get in the backfield and disrupt play so tyleek williams if you're talking about defensive tackles a guy that can command double teams i think and they need that at that one tech and then jt tumolo al i thought he'd grow into a, a three tech he's staying at defensive end he's dropped a little weight he i mean he's stronger he's quicker especially considering the fact he didn't even get here till the end of July last year for him to play as a true freshman, even as a backup, he looked pretty solid to me and they think he's going to take a big jump this year. So I would keep an eye on uh, Tyleek Williams at D tackle JT Tui Molo 
at defensive end and maybe even Jack Sawyer at defensive end. He's also going to play that Jack slash Leo position in Jim Knowles' defense, which is a hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. They're going to move him around. Um, so those three sophomores on the defensive line, I would keep an eye on. That, that Tumalau reminds me a little bit of a former number one overall player in the country as well in Mario Edwards Jr., right? A guy who everybody thought would be a D tackle long term. He was like 275 in high school. Is he going to flirt with being, you know, 280? You're going to have to slide him inside. And, and the guys who are really special are the dudes who can stay big ish and yet keep that athleticism to stay outside because then it's a real problem for the opposing team's run game as well. That, oh my gosh, like, I, I can't. I can't have this guy like the tight end can't reach this guy, right? Like it, it, you're going to have to tackle him. Uh, and that's, that's problematic. But I, you could see the pieces here for improved defense. I, I, I buy into this Dave. Uh, offensive line. Is this a better group? If they stay healthy, is it holding serve? Do they take a step back? What? I mean, obviously if they don't stay healthy, we, we would expect a significant drop off based on Ryan day's comments. And that might be a recruiting pitch for a late, uh, a late transfer out here if you can get right. one for depth purposes. Uh, how would you project them if they stay healthy? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I think they'll be better than last year because it fits better. Last year they had tackles playing guards, and it was the old, let's get our five best on the field. But it, it was just it, it just didn't fit well. Thayer Munford had never played guard before. Um, didn't really have that great of a year and fell to the seventh round of the draft. So they had, they're losing two starters. Um, one was a third round pick, Nick Petit Ferrer. Um, I thought it was a bit underrated. I thought he had a pretty good year last year. Um, and, and then of course they are month first. So you lose a third round pick and a seventh round pick. So not heavy losses, but I think the group fits better this year. So you have Paris Johnson who was playing out of position at guard last year. He's now playing his natural position at left tackle. He was the number one tackle in the country coming out of high school uh, in that 2020 class. He's now a junior. A lot of people are projecting him as the top tackle off the board in the NFL draft. That surprises me a little bit because he'll be the first to tell you, like, you know, he struggled at times during spring. He's a he's high character guy. He's got all the traits. So I understand it. I mean, he's 6'7", 320, long arms, great kid. I get it. You know, great athlete. Um, so you can see why he's projected that high. But still, I need to still need to see it first. Um, but I love Donovan Jackson stepping in there as a first-year starter at left guard. Um, he was a former five-star. Luke, Luke Whipler now is a second-year starter at center. I like him. He's a bulldog in there, the one kind of undersized guy they have. But we all know at centers, 300 pounds really isn't undersized. Just compared to these big guys around him, he's undersized. Um, Matt Jones finally get a chance at right guard to be a full-time starter. He's played a lot the last couple of years, has started off and on. Uh, he'll be one of the two new starters in there, um, along with Donovan Jackson. Again, another, those, those guys are guards. Matt Jones is a guard. Donovan Jackson's a guard. They're not trying to play tackles at guard. 
And then the other guy, the mammoth guy at right tackle returning there, Dewan Jones, flirted with the NFL draft. Every bit of 6'8", 380. They list him at 360. If he's 360, I'm seven feet tall. There's no <laughs> way on this earth he is 360 pounds. In fact, I, 380 might be an, an uh, uh, you know, very conservative estimate. Mm-hmm. That was a really good high school basketball player in Indiana. And they play, as we know, they play good high school basketball in Indiana. So I think Dewan Jones is going to have a big year as a, as a senior, not a fifth-year senior, true senior. So I like those five. But after that, man, the depth is not good. Their top backup is a guy named Josh Fryer who uh, won't be back until the end of camp because he tore his ACL during warm-ups of the Michigan game. So about that nine-month timetable puts him back near the end of August, and he's their best backup offensive lineman. So we'll see what happens there. If those five stay healthy, those starters, bud, I like them. I think they'll be improved. And I like the offensive line coach they brought in. Greg Stadrawa was okay. He was decent. But Justin Fry bringing him in from UCLA. Where UCLA, yeah. Coordinator, and he has a long history with Ryan Day. I think Justin Fry was a nice under-the-radar hire for the Buckeyes as O-line coach. I agree. Now, if you're just a casual college ball fan or if you don't follow Ohio State closely or if you're not a recruit, Nick, you're going to see they lost two first-round picks at receiver and think that's a really uh, really problem. And those guys were great. I mean, Wilson and Olave were, were, were no doubt studs. But I know on cover three and I know on, on, on Buckeyes morning, you know, on, on morning five, you guys have been talking about these young studs for quite a while. And, I mean, they don't have to take a step back, right, at receiver? If they do, I mean, Ryan Day and Brian Hartland would be the first to tell you that they'll be surprised if they take a step back. And then they would say in the same breath, that's nothing against Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, yeah. who they love and who prove it, you know, proved it at Ohio State and then proved it in the NFL draft. Um, it says a lot about Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., and not necessarily in that order. They love those two young up-and-comers. Again, guys that played as true freshmen and then now as sophomores. That 2021 Ohio State recruiting class, we're going to look back at as, as one of the best, um, certainly one of the best to come through here. Um, we mentioned a lot of those other guys on defense, like Tui Malawau and Sawyer and all those guys, and Denzel Burke and Tyleek Williams, and then you got you know, Travion Henderson on offense. Now you got Marvin Harrison Jr., who looks like a freak out there. Um, and, you know, what's funny is his dad was kind of an undersized wide receiver, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is out there at six foot four. Um, and then a Egg Buka, the number one wide receiver in the country. And I wondered, oh, is this more of a projection? You know, is he, how is he going to be as far as his physicality? We know he's fast. How is he going to be catching the football? He's got good hands, and he's, and he's tough. And, and he's, you know, he, he runs like a running back after he catches the ball. So they're very high on those two guys. They're going to step into those other um, starting roles. And, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you asked Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson last year, and first you thought they were joking. They'd be like, we're in whatever order the second and third best wide receivers on this team. JSN's number one would be like, okay, you guys are being humble. That's cool. And then you watch what happened in the season. You could easily make the argument that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best wide receiver on the team last year. It's really splitting hairs. So you got him back as the number one. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. You got a Buka. And, man, I haven't even mentioned Julian Fleming, who's entering his third year and was the number one wide receiver in the country according to the 24-7 sports composite in the 2020 class. They got some other guys they like, like Jaden Ballard. But the top four are set uh, with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, and then Julian Fleming. A clear top three, though, and you're right. If there if there's any drop-off, they'll be very disappointed. They don't, they don't think there will be or there should be. That's, that's pretty rare to lose two receivers uh, to the NFL draft in the first round and not have a drop-off. But, I mean, I, I think these guys are just as talented. We'll see if they're, you know, they end up being just as good – in 22 uh tied in they, they lose jeremy Rucker to the draft it, are they i don't know like i dave i don't know as much about some of these backups at tight end are, are they okay there 
it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah. And, and, you know, they use their tight ends as a sixth offensive lineman. As we, I mean, Jeremy Rucker, we thought last year might be the first time since 2003 that Ohio State would have a tight end reach 30 receptions in a season. Ryan Day even joked about it at Big Ten Media Day. He's like, he didn't know that was a thing. He's like, really? We haven't had a tight end reach 30 receptions since 2003? He's like, oh, that'll change this year. What happened? Jeremy Rucker had 26 receptions all of last year. He didn't get hurt. He started all 13 games, averaged two receptions a game. So um, it's a big mystery. The good news for Ohio State fans, it's not a huge part of the offense. Now, they do at times like running some 12 personnel. They probably run a little bit more 12 personnel than people realize with two tights out there. Um, but that's just, you know, to help the running game. They'll sneak him out there sometimes. They'll keep the defense honest. But the guys to look for this year, I think Joe Royer, uh, as a third-year sophomore, mm-hmm. he's bulked up. I think he's going to be the starter there. They got G. Scott Jr., who you know, was a highly rated wide receiver coming out of Washington. Um, he's entering his third year now. They've bulked him up, and he's more of a flex uh, tight end. They got a guy named Mitch Rossi, who former walk-on, sixth-year senior, um, who uh, was a running back in high school. He's more of a fullback, traditional H-back guy. So they've got an interesting mix. Another guy that's going to play a lot there. Um, not catch a lot of balls, but we'll see a lot of snaps as Cade Stover played tight end last year, was the backup to Ruckert. Um, then they moved him to linebacker where he played in the Rose Bowl. Now they've moved him back to tight end. So they've got four guys that, that are going to be in the mix that they like, but you know none of those guys are proven, and it's a big mystery. And I don't think any of those guys are going to be hugely involved in the passing game or even mildly involved in the passing game. They'll be used as blockers. All right, and then uh, we'll end it on this. Um, most college football fans know. Uh, who these folks are, but Ohio State, I think, has the best running back in the country and probably has the best quarterback in the country as well. Like, that's a, I mean, uh, where, like, the only, so CJ Stroud, it's hard for me to figure out where he gets better. Like, I guess occasionally falls in love with the deep shot and maybe should check it down a little more, but with those studs, I don't know. Like, that, I don't think you really want to encourage him to, to dial it back with Henderson, like the only real flaw I see in his game is that like he given his talent, like he should be gaining like four plus yards on first down a little bit more often. Like maybe he tried to hit home runs a little bit too much, but he's a true freshman. I mean, these guys are like, where do you nitpick it? Yeah. I think you hit (laughs) on it. Henderson. I'll start with Henderson. The way he can get better and he knows this and they're, they're drilling him is exactly what you said, bud. I mean, you know, when it's going to be a four-yard run or you know, it should be a four-yard run, make it a six-yard run. You know, Don't try and hit the home run every time. Those will come if you square your shoulders and you run hard. Those will come with your speed and the way you can make people miss. You don't need to try and bounce things outside that don't need to be bounced outside. Um, you know, If it's going to be a five-yard run, turn into a seven-yard run, things like that. Show better vision and just take what's there. The home runs will come. But it's tough when you're a home run hitter, which he knows he is and the coaches say he is, you want to hit those home runs. So it, it's a delicate balance. Um, that's where he can get better, though. The vision, taking what's there, you know, and then maybe even a little bit more falling forward, you know, getting those extra yards, um, you know, not not getting cheated. Um, with Stroud, a couple things with him. He can be – he's a pretty good leader. Um, he, you know, he's highly respected, high character. I mean, when he speaks, everybody listens. And he's somewhat vocal. Um, but he can be an even better leader. You know, as they say, you can be – he can be more felt, as they say. He's heard. He can be more felt. He's seen. He's heard. But he can also be more felt. That's the three qualities they say you know, great leaders have. Seen, felt, seen, felt, and heard. So um, he, he can get a little bit better as a leader. The main thing about his game where he can get better, he needs to, especially on third down, 
and it's clear he can run for a first down and it's not he's going to take a hit he can there's this clear space out there he can easily get the first down slide get out of bounds whatever um i know that's not a huge part of his game but he's a little faster i think than people realize he needs to do that last year he wasn't doing that now a big reason was his throwing shoulder was banged up and the coaches well they never told us this bud i'm sure we're telling him don't run <laughs> but this year he needs to do more of that he needs to you know at times Pick up a cheap first down on third down. As we know, those kill defense. You've got finally got this Ohio State offense stopped. Stroud busts out on a you know scramble and you know beats your defensive end and then gets out there for 15 free yards on a first down. He needs to do that. He didn't do that hardly at all last year. We saw it maybe once or twice. Um, and that was toward the end of the year. Again, a lot of that was because of the shoulder, but that's one thing where he can get better at is uh being a, you know, again, people kind of laugh at this, like, oh, Ohio State fans seeing CJ Stroud needs to be more of a runner. No, once or twice a game. He needs to pick up a cheap first down. That's it. He need, he's a pass-first quarterback, and they have great receivers. They've got great running backs. But every once in a while, he needs to get that cheap first down with his legs. This is why we have Dave Biddle of Bucknuts on, right? Like, this is the kind of stuff you're going to get on the front row. You're going to get on the morning five. And I just I just looked this up when you were talking. C.J. Stroud had eight scrambles last year and 470 dropbacks. Like, when you're like, I just need one, one a game, like, literally, one a game would be a 50% improve or increase. I mean, that's... That's pretty crazy. It also does, if the defenses have to respect your scrambling ability, it does limit some of the coverages they can play, right? Which makes it even more easy, even easier for you as a passer to some extent. For sure. And it helps your running backs out. Like when you're doing like, you know, even though they know it's like a, not really a zone read, but like if you're faking the ball to Travion Henderson, they know that like either, or you're handing, you know, look like you're going to hand it. You, they know that CJ Stroud's not keeping the ball. If he can add that element where maybe I'm going to hand it off to Travion Henderson, maybe I'm going to pull it and throw it, or maybe I'm going to run, then the defensive ends can't be like, okay, I know no matter what, he's either going to be passing the ball here or he's going to be handing it off. Then you have to worry about him, you know, rolling out and, and you have to keep contained then. It opens up so many things of just, yeah, once a game, twice a game. It's not asking too much from a quarterback, right? Especially he's athletic enough. His only big play that lost season of 2020 was a long touchdown run against Michigan State. That's on film. I mean, he's got he's got the wheels to do it. I think he will this year. I think he will. Um, but again, yeah, once or twice. That's not too much to ask per game. Dave, I know we're running a little bit long, but it's just awesome content. I'm really enjoying learning all this stuff about the Buckeyes. I, I just feel like their schedule sets up well to break in this defense. I mean, you look at the uh, – which of these teams, in order, scare you passing-wise? Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers at Michigan State. Iowa that like that gets you to Halloween yeah maybe uh, Michigan State yeah I do I'm higher on Peyton Thorne he had a terrible game against Ohio State last year which was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Ohio State they blew out Michigan State and then they played Michigan the next week they just thought they, and they had, hadn't lost to Michigan in a decade they just blew the doors off Michigan State and they just thought they could roll their helmets out there and Michigan took it to them it wasn't even close as we know um yeah we'll see I I am very curious to see what's going to happen with the quarterback at Notre Dame like I don't I don't know a lot about him, and he could come in and be a stud. We, I bet that's a tough sledding for your first game to come to the horseshoe against this revamped defense that likes to throw a lot at you. And while Ohio State's defense was bad last year, um, you know, as we talked about, I think they're going to be certainly better this year, and they're going to be a lot harder to play against because they're going to be a lot more multiple, and they're going to mix things up, and they're going to have better in-game adjustments. I mean, Knowles does a good job with that. But to answer your question, yeah, probably Michigan State, because I like Peyton Thorne. Um, I'm probably higher on him than most. I think as a fourth-year junior now, I think he's going to have a pretty solid year. I think he's going to have a good year. So we'll see Notre Dame. Um, that could be one. Um, 
it's a good Maybe stretch to break in your defense. It really you know? is. Yeah, definitely won't be Arkansas State and Toledo. Um, no, and Rutgers, I'm not really projecting as a team to throw the ball. I mean, it, I just you can try a lot of combinations in the first two months of the season if you're Ohio State and probably get away with it and sort of tinker and then hit your stride for that final month and and you know hopefully a, a, a playoff run. That that seems seems reasonable. I also think it helps that. Uh, I mean, maybe it helps Notre Dame, maybe it helps Ohio State that Knowles just faced the Irish in the Fiesta Bowl. He didn't actually coach in that game, though. It's interesting. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay, I, I, you're right. I, think he, I actually think – now, he didn't say this. He's He tries to be so respectful. Um, I mean, he's so – you know, Mike Gundy gave him a nice shot. He was happy at Duke being the D coordinator under David Cutcliffe. Loves David Cut, Cutcliffe. I mean, that's He can't say enough nice things about it. He loves David Cutcliffe. You can tell maybe there's some things with Mike Gundy. Um, Knowles kind of is very classy, doesn't say anything negative about Gundy, but – I've kind of heard that Knowles wanted to and kind of expected to finish his career at Oklahoma State coaching in that Fiesta Bowl. And um, Gundy was a little salty about him leaving and um, didn't want him to do that. Or maybe he wasn't even salty. Maybe he just said that we're moving on. You know, you go do Ohio State. But yeah, so Knowles didn't actually coach in that game. But what's interesting, bud, is like, you know, he's been breaking down that film. And, you know, that was his defense. Those were his guys running his defense. And Notre Dame was able to do a lot of things in that game. And they did a lot of things that he's going to see in the Big Ten that he didn't see in the Big 12. Notre Dame had even threw a lot of 13 personnel at them with three tight ends on the field. Hmm. Notre Dame was able to throw the ball all over the field, and that was with Jack Cohn. Um, so we'll see. what Notre Dame had like 500 passing yards in that game and like 20 rushing yards. Um, Oklahoma State did a good job coming back and winning that game. So you know Knowles is breaking that down because those were his guys out there pay, playing the, his first opponent at Ohio State. So it was interesting. That was Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach because Kelly already left um, for LSU. And then Knowles didn't even coach in the game because he had already left for Ohio State. No doubt about it. Dave Biddle, Bucknest.com. Guys, check him out. The best Ohio State site in the country. I mean, we just we just 30 minute deep dive one team here on Cover 3 Podcast Summer School. Really enjoyed it. And uh, go Bengals this year, Reds. Uh, Keep slapping them. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Hey, thanks, bud. I really appreciate thanks. it. I'm such a fan of your work and uh, appreciate you having me on your show, man. They really appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it. All right. That's the bell. Cover three college football summer school is over for today, but don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover Three Podcast. And we'll see y'all soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.